0: Hello and welcome to episode 73 of the British Wrestling Experience on postwrestling.com and I'm your host Martin Bushby and joining me is Benno and also this week back from uh, the Pro Wrestling Torch is Will Cooling and uh, Benno, how's it going with you this month mate? It's a bit cold over here in the UK at the minute isn't it?
1: Yeah it is, I'm- to be honest, I'm glad Will's here because he can take some of the heat off. Um but well, you know back <laughs> <laughs> by popular demand Will, that's i <laughs> But yeah, it's been uh yeah, it's horrible. Like I'm absolutely free in my house. I've got all my all my electric heaters on, which are costing me a bomb at the minute, but I'll pay on it to be honest to uh to keep warm. Um yeah, the snow's coming. Um it's like uh, like Sting's making an entrance uh up <laughs> here in of at the moment. It's uh it's crazy.
0: Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because um, obviously there's uh, countries that get a lot more snow than us. I, you know, if we have any Canadian listeners, I imagine they handle it a lot better. So you get uh, sort of like four snow days a year and then the country virtually shuts down, Then it, Will?
2: Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's quite funny, actually, because my uh, ex-wife and my son are moving to Canada next, next month in Calgary. And I was reading a Scott Keith review where he was uh, talking about how the temperature for the AEW show yesterday that they were moaning up about being cold is what they consider summer. So I just, I just screenshot that and said, you know, this is what you're going to next month.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned Calgary there. I've just been uh, watching um, a series, Tin Star, with Tim Rothin, and he's like um, a grizzled old British cop that um, sort of like tries to make a new life of it in uh, in Calgary. And it looks, some of this the scenery around there looks absolutely stunning. So, yeah, she's um, certainly moving to a, a really nice place of the world, despite the sort of temperature and that. but. Uh...
1: I can beat that, Martin. I've got I got a letter through the door today from uh from the I think the Liverpool Film Society, apparently a TV show called Dance and Ledges filming Outside My House. Martin Freeman's gonna be in it. It's not as nice a scenery as uh, as, as they've got over there in Toronto, but <laughs> oh, might the house wow. and have a have a chat with Martin Freeman, you know. I, I was an I office know. fan. He's in the Hobbit, wasn't he? The Hoffuz. Yeah, Sherlock.
0: definitely. Sherlock, stuff. yeah. Big, uh, big worldwide <laughs> star is Martin Freeman these days. Um, yeah, well, you, oh, wow, nice Benno. You've got Martin Freeman outside, you know, then you have Batman down the road the other week, and then uh, The Rock was there the other summer.
1: Film centre of the world, mate. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, we got we got all kinds going. I'm still sad though when The Rock was here that I never actually went out to see that. Every every time I watch Fast and Furious Seven, and uh, they, they, they speed through the Mersey tunnel and come out the other end and they're in Soho and in London. Like I'll, every time it just it makes me giggle. I love stuff like that. It was like I was watching um uh, what's uh, it's a sin this week on uh on, on Channel Four. And like yeah. it only realised halfway through that most of it was filmed in Liverpool or and Manchester as well. Like there, there were points where they were in New York, um, and there were points where oh, the main point was, like, I think there was, like, there's, like, a scene in one of the early episodes where, like, uh, one of the characters comes out of a politician's flat and walks out of the door, and I recognise the door immediately. It was literally my old office next to the live building. Oh, where wow. Still, like, <laughs> second job I ever had, Martin. And I, used, I only used to do a five-hour shift, and I had a 15-minute break in the middle. And on that 15-minute break, I used to chase down the road to try and get to Sayers on my lunch, which is like our version of Greg's, and get a sausage roll. And I was always like, back every time, no matter what. I was 18, I was stupid. Um, and I was just looking at it going, yep, that's that building. Um, and apparently it's supposed to be London. And then, they were, and then the next scene, it's like it's Dublin for New York. It's always weird when you see stuff like that in, uh, in films and TV.
0: Yeah, it's we funny when say... you recognise it, though, isn't it? Because um, Four Lions, obviously, the end scene is um, in the London Marathon, and then they go around the corner, and um, they're in a <laughs> kebab shop in Sheffield, because um, I think it was produced by what Film that's based there, and then, um, yeah, I was like, oh, I recognise that kebab shop from the uh, from the Wicker Archers. that's not in London, but yeah, it's funny when you see things like that, isn't it?
2: We should, we should take the chance to just recommend It's a Sin, because, you now we're going to talk about a lot of British wrestling, but mm-hmm. if there's any Americans who have kind of stumbled in, or uh, to listening to this, don't watch the British Wrestling. It's not very good. <laughs> watch it; it's excellent. I, I binge watched the whole thing at like sort of at three AM. Yeah, I watched one.
1: I, I watched it all in one day as well.
2: And and literally, I was like an emotional wreck by the end of it. It's all about you know uh, the experience of gay people living through um, you know the, the AIDS pandemic in London in the eighties, and it's just amazing. It's right up there with RTD's best. I think it comes out on HBO Max. I want to say on the seventeenth or the twenty-second of Feb, so uh, no excuse, Americans, watch it.
0: Yeah, yeah, we we binge watched it in one day, and it was absolutely fantastic. And it was interesting because mostly um, when when um, these programs look at sort of like um, AIDS in in the eighties, it's mainly based in New York or San Francisco. So it was really interesting to see one from sort of like a British perspective, and that scene as well, Mm -hmm. especially when he's. Walking through and telling you why he doesn't believe AIDS is real and you can't catch it That's, and things like that, that was yeah. absolutely brilliant and sort of like real, sort of like shades of what we're sort of experiencing today as well, isn't it? But yeah, I mean, obviously, mm. Russell T Davis, uh, you know, most famously did Doctor Who. So if you're into his stuff from there, you know, definitely go out and check it out. Brilliant show.
1: Yeah, it's. it's re- I found it like really emotionally affecting and like, especially the last couple of episodes, it like really hit me hard. But I will say, <laughs> the music and it's fucking great as well. So like, it's oh, like yeah. when you watch like the clubs in the eighties and stuff, like, I know it's not the lesson you're supposed to take out of it. I found like a heathen here, but it did make me miss going out.
2: I think of it. that kind of is the message. So I think what what Davies is trying to to strike the balance of is, you know, there was this pandemic. It was awful. People died. Yeah, um, lives were ruined. Yeah. But like, it was really fun. I mean, that's what makes AIDS. So tragic is that you had people doing so things, so natural, so fun, and this horrible disease uh, made them pay a price for it—a price that, you know, me as somebody as a bisexual man did not pay when I was doing the same thing in the 2010s. Yeah, it's
1: like, like that's the horrifying thing about watching it, isn't it? Just like watching, it's like people just disappear, isn't it? It's just like, and it, it's it's how prevalent it was, and how like. The British reaction to it was that typical stiff upper lip. Let's pretend this isn't happening. Um, kind of, kind of attitude. It was just, it was horrifying to to see where what it was like uh, in the eighties.
0: Yeah, of... I had no idea about that. Uh, what was it? That Section Twenty Eight or whatever where they sort of oh like, my God. told all the schools to remove any sort of like uh, any anything homosexual from any literature or well, anything in any schools. That was I had no idea about that.
2: Well, that was a big thing. That was still on the books until this century and the house of lords delayed the blair, the blair government from repealing it and yeah. i remember as i was in school and i came out to a teacher at school they were like oh i'm not sure what i can say to support you due to section 28 and it wasn't just schools it was local authorities so there was stuff about you know people being denied houses because they were in gay couples it was it was awful and that's where um That's where Stonewall was formed, the UK um, LGBT charity, and that's what um, caused the McKellen to come out Mm. um, to oppose Section 28. But yeah, no, Section 28 was, yeah, no, Mm. it feels another world, but it's not because that affected Mm. my life. You know, when I was a child, Section 28 affected me. Um, It's not that long ago.
0: Wow, exactly. Well, um, yeah, definitely. Like we both, we've all three of us have said definitely check that out. I mean, I know it's the only start of the year, but surely that's going to be up there in programs of the year come uh, come December. But um, but, uh, just before we get on to the other stuff, uh, Ben, how the dust has settled from the uh, Up Next Rumble game. Will, did you have a chance to listen to that on the Up Next feed? Because um, um, I certainly got ganged up
2: on by the, uh, <laughs> the whole crew on that one. <laughs> I know. I, I sadly haven't. I've been, I've been deluged with content from a certain Patreon. I just meant I've just I've been struggling to catch up on all of a wrestling podcast.
3: Well, yeah,
1: your yeah. next Patreon's really good. I agree. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, uh, Will mentioned it there, Ben. Uh, you were uh, went and set a Patreon up this uh, this past month. Huge
1: congrats! It seems like it's going really well. Thank you. Yeah, and I mean, uh. Take a lot of influence from the uh, the Up Next lads, definitely. Uh, I would say too, and obviously John and Way, um, with with setting ours up. But I just decided I wasn't doing enough podcasts in a week. Martin thought we'd uh, <laughs> we'd add a few months of the rotation. But yeah, it's uh, Patreon.com/grapple for our Grapple Spotlight podcast. And we're doing uh, live video episodes pre- with pre and post shows. We're doing retro reviews. We did uh, we've done a couple now. We have did though we done our first film club, looking at No Holds Barred, and we had a look at. I feel like it's a it's a rite of passage because John and Way have done it multiple times halloween havoc 91 with the uh with the chamber of horrors as well so yeah there's plenty on there for people as well as news reviews and, and previews and stuff so hopefully people are enjoying it but yeah it's been uh it's been definitely uh overwhelming to, uh, to see the support to it and uh, and seeing people sign up for us
0: do the question worth checking out um so what happens with this show now is it sort of like now you're behind a paywall do you say oh yeah i've got this opinion on it but if you want my real opinion <laughs>
1: Never no, go full Lanza. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Yeah, well, that's the thing. Yeah, if you want to actually hear about all uh, my NXT UK rants, I'll be at the people. Now you get that for free. Um, how how else can we can we rile up the uh, the iTunes reviews? Oh yeah, I know by getting Will on. Uh... Uh, well,
2: the, question, the question I had is obviously uh, when when Martin got you on for what was then British Audio Wrestling. Did he hmm. sign one of those Vern Gagne style contracts? Is he? Uh... If he do ten percent of the Patreon money? Oh,
1: he gets I a wish. percentage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all that money goes to Ollie. Uh, Ollie is actually still uh, yeah. totally, uh, the, the mysterious <laughs> benefactor So you start it all, Martin. You invited me on my first podcast, and it's all uh, it's all rolled into this now. I don't know, I don't know what I'm doing with my life, but you know, it feels it feels some hours in a in the middle of a pandemic, so I'm enjoying it.
0: No, it's great to see you, mate, and all the success to the uh, to the Patreon show. Sure. Great, great podcast with uh, with you three guys. Certainly uh, one of the highlights of um, my snow walks to work uh, the past couple of weeks. But um, yeah, enough of that snow. But um, I just want to say before we get into any news and reviews. Um, Obviously, sea shanties have been all the rave at the minute, haven't they, all over TikTok? I mean, they've been having it all on the national news over here, having I mean, this one guy who's been really famous for doing them. And um, I've got to say, the best the best one that I haven't been able to get out of my head has been this NXT UK one from the Ogden Boys, Jeff and Andy. I mean, they debuted it on their uh, Greps and Claps podcast, and absolutely fantastic, wasn't it, Banu?
1: Oh yeah, uh, it's it's been a mad ever since um, Jeff Ogden's uh, sultry tones of uh, <laughs> his, uh, his song about Jim Smallman. Yeah, it's uh, it, it is something else. And it was it was great to see it. like kind of just blew up on Twitter that day, didn't it? Um With the views in the in the tens and tens of thousands. Uh, yeah, that, that's where the real money is. needs to uh, need to get. I feel like like in any in a real society that'd go number one. That'd be on top of the pops. That, that's 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 the kind of crazy numbers uh, that thing was doing.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. And, uh, yeah, because obviously um, listeners to our all know um, Andy Ogden from um, his um, Going Undergraps where he'd, he'd come and tell us uh, what was going on in this sort of, like, underground scene of UK wrestling. So, yeah, I'm just going to play that sea shanty right now because it definitely needs to be heard everywhere.
3: Brit rest is dead and now it's done. Jib Smallman's off to have some fun. T Booker, he's become, he's off to lick some boots soon major smallman come recycling booking from his progress run soon major smallman come he's fucked off john and glen satamura's coming from japan to teach the women all she can but she'll need more than breakfast scran one sausage egg and beans Soon, Major Smallman come recycling bucket from his progress run. Soon, Major Smallman come. He's fucked off John and Glen. Trent Seven wants to be a cruiser, weight but now he'll have to lose some weight. All the excess skin he'll hate because he can't tuck it in his socks. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Soon Major Smallman come recycling Bucky from his progress run. Soon Major Smallman come he's fucked off John and Glenn. Jim asked Shawn Michaels what's the plan and he said you're the progress man. All I do is look at my hands and my eyes, they go both ways. Soon Major Smallman come recycling booking from his progress run. Soon major Smallman men come, he's fucked off John and Glen, The talent are all kept in tears, no up or down for them, I fear. Jack starts his bottom and T-Bone's near and Walter's on the top. Soon major Smallman comes. recycling buggy from his progress run. Soon major Smallman men come, he's fucked off John and Glen. Said Scarlet's birthday had come round, and next he were very proud. Until it came from speaking out, he was a bullying knob. Ooh! Soon, Ooh. Major Smallman Ooh. come, recycling, bugging from his progress run. Soon, Major Smallman come, he's fucked off John and Glen. Ooh! Now have a look at what we've found. The feds put Britress in the ground on a hamster's wheel, going round and round, and no one gives a fuck. Ooh! Soon made his small man come recycling bucket from his progress run. Soon made his small man come his fucked off and Glen.
0: But definitely uh, check out their podcast, uh, Graps and Claps." Wherever you find podcast, um, always a always a cracking listen each week. Um, certainly, um, a, a different look at um, wrestling. Um, I think will.
2: Yes, I mean, I must say, I'm, I'm, listeners, I'm slightly disappointed because actually that that has been inserted and in magic of editing, and I was quite hoping I was get, uh, get to listen <laughs> to it again. I like, oh yeah, I get to listen to the uh, the uh, the song again. Um, I mean, it has to be said like throughout the entire pandemic, they've been killing it with songs. Like the Giant Barber song is yeah. another epic one, and anyone who's who no, if you've if you've been, even if you don't know them, you've benefited from a. At, at Ogden's song at the Brit Res show, show. Um, I don't know if you guys remember when you had in 2019, you had uh, the uh, final, you had the, the um, natural selection tournament or natural yeah. Profession series tournament in a ballroom, and everybody was saying, "Oh, the ballroom's got atmosphere again." it's because the Ogdens were back the first time <laughs> in a year. Um, you know, they they are the life and soul of any event they go to, and they're, totally. they're going a bit, they are going a bit stir crazy. And so they are putting all that energy into the podcast, and they've, they've came up with some belters.
0: Yeah, definitely worth checking out. But um, on, to, on to the main show this week, and uh, first up, we've got NXT UK and their uh, latest round of signings. I mean, one that me and Ben had talked about previously, uh Meiko Satomaru, actually made her debut on the show tonight. I mean, uh, we'll talk about that in a minute, but... Um, well I just wanted to get your thoughts on uh, M- Miko in uh, NXT UK. Obviously uh, I think she'd be a a big benefit as a trainer especially uh, um some of the sort of like younger wrestlers who've gotten in NXT UK could use her uh, experience and expertise. Um and it seemed that shit uh, shit breakfast in Wolverhampton did it didn't put her <laughs> from moving to the UK full time.
2: Yeah no, it's um it's weird cuz like I've seen so many uh, Miko has some more matches just by living in Wolverhampton it was like what do you get from Wolverhampton? You get Mika more matches, and that's pretty much it. You get Mika more matches, that's kind of, like, the benefit of, uh... oh, and also, like, they're one of the UK's most progressive young universities um going. Um,
1: You've but, got a decent uh, KFC as well,
2: that too. They, well, no, what are the, the, the KFC in town, shut. Oh, no.
1: Yeah. The- right, I've got no reason to go back now. Definitely not.
2: It's also home
0: to the UK's largest landfill. <laughs> make of that what you will
1: that's no way to talk about Will
2: <laughs> but no <Very> um, well. <laughs> I was going to say that's no way to talk about my bins I mean, you just have to take it too far, <laughs> too far. Um, we don't know I mean um, you know she's been this kind of weird past the Brit West you no, know, clearly too good to be slumming it with her slot um, but you know had done a lot of stuff with Fight Pro which obviously is close links with the uh, NXT UK Brains Trust, have been brought into progress because, you know, she'd been in Fight Club Pro six months beforehand. And it always seemed like this was moving to a uh, direction they were moving towards. Um, obviously, she's a great trainer. I like do various British and European wrestlers have gone over to Sendai Girls, rave about her, what she's added to uh, their game, to their, their working ability. So I'm sure she'll be great in that. And, you know, look, they they were running out of people for Kay Lee Ray to face. And we know that's a great match. We saw it uh, at Wrestle in, in back in 2018. If you don't believe us, check uh, EVE's Twitter feed because they keep uh, airing, re- advertising replays on YouTube every other week. Um, and so it makes sense as a package. It is sad to see you in NXT UK because NXT UK is a very limited program. And you'd like to think that she is beyond that. But the reality is, with coronavirus and the impact that's had on the Japanese indies, not just Sendai girls, but also the the type of indies that get her in as a special guest attraction, there probably wasn't a lot of money in Japan um, at this current time for her. Coming to the UK, doing stuff for NXT UK, maybe in the future doing stuff for NXT Japan. It's kind of a logical move. The one thing that isn't logical is WWE trying to package those kind of freestyle star classic matches she had in progress mm-hmm. as a best of Miko Satomura, when the May Young Class, the second May Young Classic, has better Miko Satomura matches than anything she did in progress. Um, so that that's the kind of a sign that maybe the build's not quite what it could be.
0: Yeah, because she did do an interview, didn't she, saying that sort of like the Sendai Girls Dojo has been in business for uh, 15 years, but it's been in danger for the past 10 years due to the great Eastern Japanese earthquake and that she's going to do what she wants until she's 50 and, and sort of leave it to the younger ones. Uh, obviously, thanks to Eastern Larry on Twitter for the translation of that interview. But um, I suppose, Ben, uh, to reiterate some of uh, Will's points there, yeah, it's just um, it's it's just. It's like NXT UK, you know. What I mean, you'd you'd, you'd want to sort of like elsewhere, having sort of like bigger and better matches
1: with people, ideally. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Like, I, I, this discussion's turned into a meme, hasn't it? Pretty much the whole uh, the, me trying to take food off people's table conversation. Like, I, <laughs> I think that's that, that that bit's always, always unsaid. Like, always, like obviously, it goes without saying. Good for Miko Setabura making money. I mean, I don't know her personally, so I'm not doing somersaults over it. But like, you know, good fair. That's it's understandable, isn't it? We're gonna go. We're gonna go through a couple of the other signings for NXT UK uh, in a bit, and there's other names in there where it's like, yeah, okay, I get it. Like financially, we're in a we're in a pandemic. Like uh, yes, you know, people are gonna all. going to take work uh, where they can get it. I think it's stupid we even have to say that. Like just to lay but you have to lay that out I think for uh, for some people first. Um but it still doesn't mean it's a you know a particularly engaging or exciting thing to see. Like when when she got signed i think it was fightful or somebody else like their initial headline was miko Setamura signs to wwe or something along those lines and then you got in fact it wasn't that i think it was i think I, I think andrew put it up for post didn't he originally when that was all we knew about the story and then once it got once you know the more came out on of it is nxt uk then it was like okay yeah you know in the under the headline it's miko Setamura signs with wb and we'll be working for NXT UK and you can't help but be disappointed at that. Like there's obviously better things you can do for WWE. Um whether those are realistically were ever going to happen, you would expect that she got signed to NXT UK because, you know, Jim Smaller wanted to continue to pretend he knew who she was, um, and book her like he did in progress, um, which is kind of the story of NXT UK. So she's probably got through in through that, through the work she did. not the fact that, like Will said, she was so prevalent in Wolverhampton, which led to, you know, a couple of um, progress bookings. And like you said, you know, there was the, obviously the Eve stuff as well predated it. Um, that's why this is happening. That's her connection to to NXT UK, and yeah, it does make you sad to to see the video she's putting on on Instagram and Twitter of her looking like a prisoner in her uh, <laughs> in a hotel room in in Emfield, uh, trying to learn how to say the literally. I'm not making this up. Trying to learn how to say the phrase WWE Universe, um, but that is kind of the state of the world right now isn't it so yeah you know uh, I, I, I do feel like there's like most people sign up for NXT UK there's definitely more interesting things she could be doing but like I said at the top and unfortunately it does need reiterating obviously you know uh, we are in a pandemic and yeah people need to make money and I think that's the that's the reality of it is, uh, as depressing as it is not just for her but for, for some of the other names that uh, have been uh, swept up by NXT UK
2: well, She over you? made
0: a, a debut on the show tonight um, I mean Colin to putting over huge I mean she was saying- you know, saying that she's the legit final boss and saying that Sasha Banks has expressed interest in facing her. And um, her debut opponent was uh, Isla Dawn. Um, but it was quite a competitive match for uh, Miko's debut. I mean, they showcased a lot of her offense, you know, sort of like her kicks and her working over various body parts and stuff. And she eventually got the win with uh, Kaylee Ray looking on. But... Well, if they're sort of building up uh, Miko as the sort of like theme, female Walter, to think of a, a better comparison, um, it, it seems a bit early to be doing the Kaylee Ray match, uh, you know, a couple of weeks after her debut.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I, I didn't. This is what I was worried about with her first match because she had a lot, she had a few. Ma- the few matches she did against women, um, outside of Eve and Brit Rest kind of went to this uh, setup where it's her having a quite an even match. Against somebody who's not really in a league, and so there's kind of like a, a a hard cap on how good the match is, and I don't think this did the job of getting over how special she is um, because they just gave Dor- uh, Isla Dawn too much offense. Now I did like the Goldberg-esque entrance. Mm-hmm. That, um, the Kaylee Ray match I think is really interesting. So I think Kaylee Ray's been an okay champion. I think she did struggle a bit, where it still felt like Tony Storm was the star, the focus of the division for the first half of her reign, um, until Tony Tony Storm was finally written off. Um, but she has picked up a bit of momentum. But like, no, no, she has struggled with good opponents, particularly because for whatever reason, Pippa Niven just doesn't seem to be able to get any traction in WWE. She doesn't seem comfortable in the house style. And so you can see what they're rushing this match because it's a, it'd be a good match, I think. There that, that definitely seems to be that NXT UK on the kick of having matches that that get some buzz, and you know, maybe even threaten the four star uh, threshold on grapple. Um, but what happens next? Because either Kaylee Ray wins, and then Kaylee Ray really has nobody to face, or Miko wins, and then Miko has the same issue Kaylee Ray's had when she's just facing a lot of people that are have upside potential, are talented, are prospects for the future. But you know, their best is probably a three star match. You know, I like people like Danny Luna, A Ayla a- James, but they're not the finish article yet. Um so yeah, I I, I do wonder what, what the plan plan of attack is is here.
0: Yeah, it will be interesting to see if they do sort of like try and bring her over to the States for um, a couple of shows once sort of like, you know, the vaccines sort of like sort of kicking in and stuff. So we'll be interested to see what they do with her. But um I mentioned it before, there's been a few other signings. We had a lucky kid from WXW, um, Tony Gill, who formerly went as Gusinda Singh in Impact Wrestling, and lastly, uh, Bailey Matthews, who is... Absolutely not related to a Liam Regal. Uh, <laughs> obviously joking, it's his son, but no mention of that on um, on uh, WWE's website or the announcement when they made the announcement Bailey Matthews is signing NXT UK. But um, first in, I mean, obviously you were um, big into going to your WWE shows. Thoughts um, on Lucky Kid signing for NXT UK, Benno?
1: Yeah, that that's one that kind of turned into a meme because he he won that sixteen carat gold tournament, and then I felt like the, the booking of him in the W X W just fell apart. And like every time me and Will went to one of those press conferences, that was kind of a standard question: "What is going on with lucky kid?" And right before the pandemic, they switched him to his real name Mertihan, and made him like this serious character where it was all built around a, an eyeball and i think i think if i remember right well like there was a match wasn't there where it, like the eyeball that came on the screen when he was teasing turning uh distracted him and he lost his own match yes. um which which was very like kind of scary really felt, felt like the, a lot of wwe stuff uh seeping in there to the xw booking. so he was someone who he had a lot of potential like i'm probably higher on him than a lot of people are um hence why i was so concerned with like the booking of him when he was over in the uk and hanging about with the schadenfreude a lot he was kind of you know hanging around with the right crowd and getting some of the right bookings and looked like he might be on like the the fringes of, of doing something interesting um but it's another one where yeah obviously the the pandemic hit the whether that hand running WXW is going to work or not, um, it had no chance because uh, it never was able to properly get off the ground. Um, and then, yeah, with with a lack of other options like like the others, he's signed. He signed for WWE. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, you, you can't help but look at it as like, yeah, unfortunately, that's the reality of the situation. But it's. Yet another, not a a top guy by any means, not even one of the best guys, but another guy with potential um, who, if the British Indies get going again, won't be available. Um, And, yeah, if they're they're sweeping up the the lucky kids of the world, never mind, you know, Regal Jr., who, like you said, yeah, they're terrified of admitting, you know, they'll they'll say on the website, you know, he's from Blackpool. He was trained by William Regal. His last name is Matthews, but there's no reference to the fact (laughs) that he's his son. Um, He was over in Japan you know he was doing stuff with new japan you know a lot of eagle Eye people will spot them in there in the background doing young boy duty on shows last year so again that's another sign that obviously he's unable to be in japan so maybe things have been sped up and he's been he's been signed to to nxt uk i think that is unfortunately just the the state of the world right now
0: yeah i do feel that with um with what you're saying with um with William Regal's son, I feel that Regal probably did say to him, you know, you're best off sort of traveling the world, getting some matches on your belt, and then going to do WWE, but it seems like the pandemic has forced um, their hand, and he's gone, oh, well, there's nothing else going on, and you can't get here, there, and everywhere, mm-hmm. like, you, like you probably should have done, you know, might as well earn some money by standing around next to the UK. That,
1: it was that seems to be so, the thing there. so funny when they tried as well, though, like, they had him over here doing, like, Future Shock shows, and he walked out under his real name, and everyone in the crowd <laughs> Well, that's Regal, William Regal's son, then. <laughs> why, <laughs> why is this weird American who looks exactly like William Regal randomly on this card? Uh, I, no, I, I think that's the right... You know, it's the same thing that, like you say, uh, Dave Finley did with his son, too. You know, send them... Interesting that, you know, their first choice is send them abroad rather than immediately bring them into the WWE mm-hmm. system. I think that tells you something. I think it tells you that the, uh, the dads know what's up. Um... Uh, but yeah, I think that's I think you hit the nail on the head. Then that's exactly what's happened. It's just uh, needs of must needs must, and Yeah, he's a, he's come in as a as a favour to his dad.
2: I mean, I, I must admit, I find the whole refusing to say he's really regal son really bizarre because this is exactly what they did with Brian Christopher Brian Brian uh, Lawler. And it's yeah, like, but that oh. was
1: more of an age thing. Lola, not wanting to admit a
2: yeah. grown-up son.
1: I, I was shocked when I rang the Power Slam Hotline and I found out that was really Jerry's kid, and it wasn't just the storyline. <laughs> I mean, I was twelve, but you know.
2: Go, going back to Lucky Kid, I think the thing with Lucky Kid, and now I'm not going to try and pronounce his uh, his actual name. Um, is um, I think one of the issues with him was he won sixteen carat, and then his body gave away. And one of the things you 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 can't forget is is that. 2018. Yeah, 2018. No, 2019 even. That 2019, which was a really bad year after that. And yes, the made all sorts of mistakes with their booking, including taking a title shot away from him. But like, he tried to go over to America, make his name in America, and the Americans hated him. They thought his matches sucked. Um, um, he had all these issues. I to council UK bookings because the, um, his passport was with the American Embassy, so he could get, oh, to, he could, so he could get to America for those shows that completely trash his reputation. And so he has been kind of dead man walking. And the other thing to remember as well is, WXW is in hot with WWE, so there's no harm inside of NXT UK in terms of your prospects in WXW. And how easy will it be for him to come to Britain when things restart? Due to you know that thing that some of us voted for, mm-hmm.
0: yes, <laughs> <laughs> not us too much. Yes, not us too, but the uh, Brexit hero <laughs> over there in Wolverhampton. But <laughs> anyway, um, but I, I suppose some other notes from NXT UK the past month. Um, it seems that Ilya's you know seeming really deflated since he's lost to Walter. Um, just a side note: really interesting to see that Ilya Walter was in the top five on most people's uh, top. Sort of ten matches of the year that was a uh, that was it was mind blowing the matchnatics NXT u k was like you know seen around the world and everything kind of sort of in such high regard, but obviously Elias is sort of seems to be they 're doing this thing where he 's going to be on the path back to facing um, you know back to the top rather facing off of the likes of jack Stars and t o just getting it all out of his system and gradually working his way back to Walter but someone who's really stood out for me on these past few shows um there's been Sam Gradwell. I mean, um, he's been treading water in the promotion for a while. um I think he's been really enjoyable on these last few shows. I mean, coming out and cutting promos and earlier and, and being really quite funny, than uh, I thought.
1: Yeah, he's someone who like obviously from from my neck of the woods. Uh, like, when I just finished training with GPW, he was just starting, um, much younger than me. But he was always obviously gonna make it in some form because you know he was about seventeen and he was built like a a brick shit house back then. Uh, <laughs> never, never mind now. And yeah, that was always the rumor that I'd kind of hear in my circles. Or uh, you know that William Regal's really high on that. On the he was RJM at the time. He's really high on RJM. He's uh, he's gonna get signed and a. I believe he did a lot of uh, WWE tryouts and was always on their radar. And if you remember, right, look, you know, looking back to that WWE uh, UK tournament, yes, it was built around uh, British strong style, but the big Pete Dunn argue with Regal and Triple H, like they had grab well in there as the babyface. He got that token role probably because of how hard they've been with him. And unfortunately for him, you know, the issue has been, you know, one, he's not maybe the type of wrestler that's going to, you know, attract like the, the hardcore fan base. Rare types like like us. Mm-hmm. Um so we kinda got lost in the shuffle and then we had, you know, serious battles with injury. The fact that he's even back in, you know, in a wrestling ring is uh is definitely something uh to be applauded. But the thing about him is, and if anyone follows him on Twitter or, or Instagram, you'll know like the amount of personality he's got, um, and just how funny he is. Like even just as a uh, you know, next UK, you know, is 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 deadpan previews of the show each week, and um, where there's definitely there was always a hint of sarcasm in there. They've tried to try to put this into a character on TV, and I'm not going to say it's all worked. Like I think some of it's been a little bit too uh, hammy, um, and a little bit yeah, too much uh, for me watching it, but. To be fair, you know they're building this this Ilya storyline both on on Twitter and on on the TV. Um, I think yeah, they, he's a, he's a wrestler who could easily get lost as you know someone who's just you know he's just a body. He's just another one of the the nameless um, NXT UK talents. To be fair to him, he's you know he's done a lot with the uh, the time that he's been given these last few weeks. And yeah, some of those uh, those Ilya segments have, have been very funny. But also like you know in the last couple of weeks they've uh, built something that looks like you know. Uh, a few where you want to see Ilya knock his head off. Um, so I think he's done a, uh, he's maximised his minutes, I suppose, is the, is the way to put it.
0: Yeah, and it's a breath of fresh air as well, because obviously we've talked uh, ad nauseum about sort of like People doing these sort of like scripted lines on NXT UK and looking scared out of their skin to get anything wrong. And he's just a riff of fresh air in terms that he brings all this personality and things, especially in these promos. And like you say, not all of it hits, but a lot of it I found really funny. And I feel like he has been, um, you know, uh, one of the highlights of these past few weeks.
1: Tell you what, wasn't a highlight. <laughs> <laughs> I, watched the, uh, I watched all of this week's episode oh, did, you, did you see the Johnny Saint angle with Joe Coffey and Rampage Where like the ghost of johnny saint appeared on screen via right? like yeah. green screen <laughs> it was the worst thing ever like just admit he's yeah you, you, you just like i don't know i think i just move on um he's, he's bad anyway at the role of uh, never mind I'm trying to build interest in rampage as joe Coffey. Cool. i thought that was funny and he did the same thing with wild boar wild boar got attacked backstage mm. and it was quite clearly not him uh, i don't know if it was a covert related reason or what um mm. But yeah, Mandrews, um, and, and that disappeared with his mask. a couple of funny moments like that on this week's NXT UK. I, I
2: didn't see that. I did see the Noam Dar segment, which I oh yeah, I um, and it's like it, it like won. This is like, sounds like a really petty thing, but like I do watch some BT Sports, and like that's like a nice studio. Why have you got these cheap sofas in front of an actual mm. set where you could do a nice looking chat show? Like, you could have something that looked a bit different to normal WWE presentation because you have a proper chat show set that they use for all their kind of football punditry. And you're just putting these really awful sofas in front for reasons. Mm-hmm. Noam Dahl is awful. He's so, so bad. Like, even by the standards of Scottish wrestlers, he's really, really bad. And the promo was just really weird and stilted. And they're doing all these kind of him and Charles Samuel's doing all these weird jokes, um, where they're clearly like they're clearly like pausing for like laughter from the crowd, but of course there's no crowd, so it just seems really like stilted. And and then you have the kind of top it all off is this weird Ed Harvey angle, which makes no sense because NXT UK doesn't remake anybody. Like you could get it as a satire of NXT or the main roster repackaging indie talent with random names because you have to for trademark or ego reasons. But NXT UK doesn't do that because that involved Jim Smallman doing work. They just put everybody out on that show with their indie gimmick. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was just awful and then you add on to the fact that ICW are building a match between these two guys, which will be aired on the WWE Network, and yet they're just being like buddies and best mates in this weird chat show segment. And Noam Dawes getting, trying to talk Sid Scaler into giving Samuels a Heritage Cup uh, shot. Oh, yeah, that was awful. That was really, really bad.
0: Yeah the, the, yeah, the ones we watched uh, with Tyler Bate and that weren't much better. <laughs> but um, I suppose, uh, Benno, they do you think they're building up Rampage to be uh, sort of like Walter's net challenger? You, you know, like sort of beat up <laughs> a few bearded guys and then face off with Walter?
1: Probably. To be fair, that, that is a match, you know. <laughs> again, it's Walter, isn't it? So, you know, he's, he's, he seems to be the one person who's NXT UK proof, Uh um so yeah well i'll take that all like walter and rampage i'm not even the biggest rampage fan in the world but like that's probably about as interesting as you can get really isn't it as far as like people who can face walter who, who aren't earlier on on this roster i can't really think of anybody else um but yeah to will's point like the other thing about that that, that whole shah stuff is just yeah. i mean I, I think Shaw samuels has shown a lot of personality on the show um but i think that's you know something interesting that the show needed but yeah it's kind of part of the problem is it who is nxt uk for because they're kind of making in jokes about like their old relationship and icw and stuff but like will said those fans <laughs> know the score uh and anyone else watching it is kind of wondering what they're even talking about um and then in the meanwhile you've got in the main event you've got you know mark andrews and and eddie dennis re, re- shredding their storyline again um you know the most of the hardcore fans will have seen already so is that supposed to be for the casual fans it's uh, it's such an odd podge of a show isn't it as far as like <laughs> who it's actually even for um, although to be fair in that main, in that main event tag where uh, the street is the big payoff street fight I'm, I'm sad you just didn't see it Lads, like Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews the Eddie Dennison primate I feel like that was uh, a, I put some butts in seats Um, it, there was a really really big um good spot with Mark Andrews too he did the moonsaults off the stage um, and no one caught him. Uh, he basically landed on his own feet. It was, uh yeah, i worry for that lad's knees and uh, going forward. But yeah, that was a, that was a fun, messy match. But yeah, I don't know. where... Uh, I don't really know what it was for, to be honest.
2: I mean, oh, I mean NXT UK's women's division gets a lot of praise, which I think I think people have have overlooked how it's it's lost people over the past year that that, that will hurt uh, moving forward. But I think they've actually. Despite the themselves, have developed a pretty good tag division, and actually the four way the number one contenders match, I thought was a lot of fun. Uh, that was a couple of weeks ago now, I think. Um, uh, with Pretty Deadly winning, and as everybody who's followed my Twitter knows, I'm a big fan of Pretty Deadly, big big fan. <laughs> uh, um, you know, unlike Rick Rude, they don't miss out on leg days. Um, but they, but I think that was the type of match which actually NXT UK needs more of because the, the problem with the UK is, is it's, a very, it's a very uneven roster. They have some talent that really is best in the world. Someone like Walter, or someone like Mika more now, or even someone like Kayleigh Ray. These are up there with the best people in the world. And it just has a lot of people who are either flawed or um, still developing. And, but unlike an indie, which uses all the tricks to hide people, NXT UK just does a lot of one-on-one matches, um, which just, you know, you kind of have to be good to deliver that, particularly within their uh, restrictions. Whereas that that four, four-way 4 tag for number one contenders, that was, you know, an eight-man schmoz. You know, so many people all doing spots, constant action, that you just couldn't help but enjoy it and i think those type of those type of tricks to make the matches involving the non tippy top top level talent more enjoyable more exciting would really go a long way to help the product
0: yeah it's, it's interesting to see like like you say, what they are going to do with it because they've signed so much talent and are they just going to throw them out there and these sort of like, you know, multi-man matches sort of like, you know, take the template from Fight Club Pro maybe and just have these scramble matches, or, you know, every but then where does that lead, you know, are they, are they going to build up anybody
1: from that? Hmm. Well, I, mean, I, I, I suppose the, the one, I was just, just going to say, the one point you can say though is <sighs> it, it pains there is seemingly a path out, you know, we've seen that with other wrestlers, you know, there are, there are wrestlers from NXT UK who've made it to NXT proper lately. Um, you know, go from the Grizzle Unbats to to Pete Dun to to Tony Storm to others who are prominently featured on NXT. That's kind of that's what it feels like NXT UK is now. It's like it's a placeholder for people, and you know, the 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 slim few will will make it through and will make it, you know, that far to NXT, and the rest of them are just gonna spin the wheels and and, and do five minute matches. Um, that's kind of what NXT UK is.
0: You I think it feel like that, doesn't it? Because, I mean, moving stateside now, and obviously you just mentioned there, we have got quite a few Brits over in proper NXT. Um, I mean, first up, I mean, Pete Dunne, who is obviously challenging for the NXT title this weekend against Finn Balor. Um, he had a pretty big angle, didn't he, uh, to promote the match? Uh, it, you know, Edge came out and sort of like put them both over, sort of. And then, yeah, so I mean, it's interesting to see that Pete's, uh, did, can you see him uh, winning the title on Sunday, Benno?
1: Um, I don't think so uh, I, I don't even, I don't think he's the top guy in that's able to be honest I think we're all just biding our time um <laughs> for the real leader to come back I think he's kind of yeah he he's in the role and and that's you know I suppose a, a positive it's it's good that he's you know made it out of NXT UK and and made it over over to uh to NXT proper but uh yeah I, I don't I think that's probably the, the, the peak of, uh, of Pete Dunne's uh, run, really. I can't see him ever being the actual uh, NXT champion.
2: Yeah, to me, it feels like it's designed for um, Finn, Finn Balor beats Pete, and then Pat Manifé um, attacks, yeah, attacks Finn straight after, and they do that match over WrestleMania weekend. Um, mm. Because, you know, when you're talking about that segment, Martin, I mean, <clears throat> the thing with Pete is, compared to someone like Tyler Bate, he knows his character. And he, he, he knows how to deliver a promo in that character. But he can only do it for a couple of sentences. And that promo really exposed him because um, you could just see the wires working in, a, in, his, in his mind. And he doesn't know how to hold himself when he's delivering his promo. And it just felt really awkward. And you compare him to Finn Balor, but I don't think anybody thinks he's a world beater on the microphone. And Balor just seemed so more animated, so more comfortable. He he just seemed more live, Whereas Pete did feel like he was reciting lights. And I think that just shows the level that Pete still needs to kind of get to to be a genuine contender for these big belts. Like, he can do it in the ring. I'm not thrilled with his, his new look, but, you know, he can, no, he can definitely do it in the ring. But this promo stuff is really going to hold him back and he needs to try and overcome it ASAP.
0: Yeah, but no, do you think he's going to be like, um, to think, you know, the first example that comes to my head, to think of a better example, like a Benoit, always got it in the ring, but like, he's, you know, he's never going to be able to be comfortable on the
1: mic an uh, NXT UK wrestlers that of better fit that uh, description, but um, yeah, I think for um for Pete Dunne, like, yeah, I think that's it. He, he's got he's got those extreme limitations, hasn't he? That like he's always gonna, I think he's always gonna hit his head on that ceiling, like he. How long's he been in that system? You know, like, you know to, to Will's point, how, how long's he been there, and he's not got—he's not particularly gotten better at any of that stuff. Um, he's still extremely awkward, um, and he's still—he's still, just some people who aren't talkers, and he's one of them. And that's why the Pat McAfee relationship works so well. Um, that's why I, yeah, I kind of see him. Yeah, I hate to compare him to the horseman, but you know, he's not flair. he's on, you know. Um as much as, you know, we all kind of saw Pete Dunn as the future, and you know, we when they when they did that Tyler Bate match on the, the big SummerSlam weekend and we all thought he could be this big thing. I don't think that's ever happening for him in WWE. Um and a lot of that is you know the handling of Tyler Bate and Pete Dunn since that date. But also, you know, I think Pete Dunn's shown he's got limitations too. I think this is as, as strong as it gets for Pete, a good like secondary role on, on NXT TV. I think that's kind of gonna be his lot, really. I don't ever see him at this point. I used to have high hopes for him making a, a big run on Raw or SmackDown or whatever, or even being, you know, potentially the top guy on NXT. I think he's a second tier guy. Um and yeah, he's the second tier guy behind Pat McAfee, which sounds like it's a slight, but it's not because Pat McAfee's really good. Um so it's not a bad role for him.
2: You remember you always used to make fun of me for this, but like that's why I always thought of the British strong style lads, the one who had the most potential was Trent. Because whatever you say about Trent, um he can deliver a promo. Um whereas, you know, P P has the character, but he can't really talk for long and Tyler didn't even have the character. Mm-hmm. Um so I think I and I think it is I think it's telling that we both you know in the same way Pete would rely on Trent to do a lot of the talking a strong style. This whole act with you no know, Birch and Lawkin, it definitely misses something with Pat not being there. The other thing about that segment is my God, Edge looked old. And No, oh, it was
1: Robbie Brookside, mate, it wasn't Edge. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like I've seen him act in movies recently. And he looked, you know, perfectly fine.
1: Yeah, with the slick so, black hair and stuff, yeah, when his hair was short. He looked great, didn't he? Yeah. He looked happy and healthy. That's what wrestling does to you.
2: You know, he no, he was on money plane, you know, scamming Kelsey, Kelsey Grammer. He looked <laughs> fine. He looked absolutely fine. And he comes back to WWE and he looks like the Crypt Keeper. Um, <laughs> I, I, and it has to be said, I mean, I know this is a bit of a tangent, but this whole thing of him, like, shopping around which title he's going to challenge for WrestleMania, I mean, it's made a wet thought of a Rumble win even worse. Because it's just like, well, if you don't know, if you don't care, then why should we? I mean, at the very least, give us a reason to care about which title you're going for. So, yeah, this, this, this has been a dud. Man, and it proves us, edge, not edge haters, but edge skeptics, right?
0: Well, um, I mean, we talked about Pete Dunne not being very good on the mic, but to flip over to a Brit who is very, very good on the mic, uh, Grizzled Young Vets team of uh, Zach Gibson and James Drake. um, They've been having some great sort of tag team matches on NXT. um, Had a good match against uh, Champer and Thatcher, um, and have made it to the finals of the Dusty Classic to face uh, MSK, and that should be a a good match. I mean, they always uh, had great matches in in Impact and stuff, and certainly when they came over to the UK. But... um, yeah, it seems um, everything's really clicking for uh, Grizzled Young Vets now, uh, Benel.
1: Yeah, it's funny, because like, that's the second year in a row, isn't it? I didn't realise until, I mean, I'd just forgotten until the commentary mentioned it, that they were finalists last year, speaking of Pete Dunne, um in there against him. But, like, yeah, obviously, like, did you expect, like, clearly Triple H is a big fan. Like, uh, I didn't expect of the NXT UK roster, though, for it to be, yeah, Gibson and Drake. That'd it be the ones that'd get the hook and get taken to America to the point where, you know, I know there's other factors at play as well, but the point where, you know, they're they're just not based over here anymore, you know, their training school is closing as well, which is another note we can get to, because they, you know, among other reasons, they are fully, you know, uh, based outside, out in Florida now, and that is a gimmick I never thought would, would Translate, really? I thought you know the the Scout Seal works in Manchester and it works in London. <laughs> is it? Does it work? You know, in the what's it called, the Capital Wrestling Center? Uh, I suppose those piped-in booze say yes. <laughs> but I think it, it's credit, isn't it, to what a talker Zach Gibson is. And to be fair, you know what James Drake gets a lot of grief. I've given him grief on this podcast earlier on as well. He's always he's the other, isn't he? You know, he he's just the guy you happens to be with Zach Gibson, but. Th- He fits well as a team, you know, and I think he's one of those wrestlers who's selfless enough and, you know, knows his role enough to allow Zach to do... Imagine, like, giving him a mic. You know, Zach is allowed to, you know, to do all the speaking and be the star of the team. But they do feel like a team in ring, you know, compare that to when, you know, uh speaking of uh people you know josh josh bodum was uh attempting to be zach gibson's partner in uh, in Red Pro, where it didn't work quite as well um so yeah it's not something i ever expected to happen but they have been killing it you know in, in getting ready for this i don't watch nxt every week because you know is far more exciting <laughs> over on the other channel um speaking of a tv show where maybe someone like a pete dunn might have had a real shot um but when I, have, you know, getting ready for this podcast today, I ran through their, their group matches and, yeah, they come across like stars and that, you know, the match with uh, with Tim Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa, you know, two people not strangers to uh, to fans of European wrestling themselves on this week's TV was really good as well. Just a really solid, you know, tag team match. And that's what the Grizzling Let's give you. Um, so, yeah, you know, I'd, I didn't expect, you know, Martin to, to, to be, you are talking in 2021 about the grizzled young vets and the rascals being <laughs> a big match coming up on a on a takeover, but yeah, the fact that they've they've gone that far and the fact that they're going to be featured on a takeover says says everything about you know how they're thought of uh, on that roster.
0: I know, do you think that Gibson needs a partner because there's been a few times where it looked like he might be a breakout singles guy and it's never quite clicked for him, has it? Obviously, um, was it when Haskins won the belt in progress and that was when sort of gives someone his peak getting booed out of the building there and it seemed like he could be this sort of, like, next guy and it never quite clicked for him. And then, um, you know, in the second UK tournament, it never quite worked out for him then. So do you think he, he need, he, he'll he always be sort of, like, somebody who needs someone as a as a tag team partner or do you think he could excel more as a singles? Because it do not seem to have worked out for
1: him mm. quite as
0: well as being a singles wrestler.
1: That's interesting though, because maybe it's just inertia or just getting used to it now. But yeah, you know, there was that point, wasn't there, when he had the, you know, we're naming them all today. He had that match with Marty Scherl in Manchester in progress. Um, you know, where I think you you caught you we I think we all said around the time, call an audible, put the belt on him, that's how hot he was, um, as a singles heel. Um and then yeah, he kind of was put into a into a tag team and that momentum was never really capitalised on. I think it's been so long now that yeah, you do maybe forget that. He could be his own thing, um, but I wouldn't totally rule it out. Yeah, if they're this high on them as an act, and the, again, you know, I'm, not, I, I was, I'm trying to praise him, but you know, it's it's not James Drake that they're high on. It's clearly Zach Gibson that they're high on. Um, whether it's Shawn Michaels, Triple H, or whoever else backstage, I could I could certainly see that happening. they're giving him enough TV time now that yeah, maybe at some point you split the team up and and do go that singles route. That is the, the positive, isn't it? Of them relocating to America, it's you know you can. They, they said on in his in his promo this week, he said that they've been tag teaming for fifteen years. You can wreck on things like that. <laughs> you can pretend those uh, those nearly runs never happened. You can pretend that you know that point again in NXT UK where he could have been the top heel, um, and instead he was kind of yeah pushed further down the card. Um, he's going to be fresh to a, to a lot of people, so I certainly wouldn't rule it out. It it happened in long term.
0: Yeah, and also, Will, I think also as well, the thing with Gibson, you know, despite the sort of like UK regional accent, maybe not working in, in the States, but it's his facial expressions are always absolutely fantastic, yeah. aren't they? I think that's not some, you know, he's great on the mic, but it's always his facial expression, just his, his look of derision to the crowd and things like that. That's what he's always had going for him, I've thought.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, um, just what, just um, I think you always got to remember the, the Grizzlejung veterans gimmick there was the kind of the anti-scouse element to it that I was playing on. But it was always just the thing of, we are real wrestlers, we're proper wrestlers, we're not the kind of fancy spot monkeys that you cheer for, and that translates perfectly to America. I remember uh, a couple of years ago now seeing Zach Gibson doing this brilliant promo against a Fight pro uh, crowd and it was like, you know, this is a type of if he if he could deliver this type of promo in like mid nineties ECW, the guy would be a superstar. Because it was exactly that type of, you know, healing on the fans that gets a lot of bursts. And I would say you have to remember with Gibson, you know, he was one of the um he, he had a weird position because you have the initial wave of, of WWE UK signings. Uh, back in uh, late 2016, early 2017. He's tied up with World of Sport. And obviously you get the May 2018 signings where they start ramping up for what becomes NXT UK. I think he signs in like March, April 2018, i.e. the minute he was out of that World of Sport contract, they snapped him up. I think they were always high on him. Why? Because he's tall and he can talk. And I think this is me. I've, I've been banging on about this for ages. Triple H was all very happy to put the small guys on who can work uh, to get hardcore buzz for NXT. But, like, his his mindset of what draws is no different to Vince's, is no different to the WWE norm, which is it's tall guys who can talk. Zach Gibson is tall. like He's over six foot, and he can talk. Now, in terms of whether he's better as a tag or a singles, the one thing I've, I've thought sometimes with Zach, as a singles guy, is it kind of makes his—he's he as a as a tag wrestler, he feels more of an American act. Um, whereas when he starts to wrestle as a singles, it's more of the chain wrestling, it's more of the strong striking, and I'm not sure that translates as well. I think he'd have to do work on his style to get a WWE-style singles wrestler out of him, whereas Crystal Young Veterans at the moment, their act is just made for NXT. And that match against the Rascals, I'm actually quite looking forward to. I always liked the Rascals when they came over to the UK. I thought they were a fun, high-flying act. And I think there's a natural dynamic between them and uh, Gibson and Drake.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm really looking forward to it. And you would have thought for certain, grizzled young vets will be will be winning that one. So it'll be interesting to see on Sunday. But um, something just a a quick news item I wanted to get into before we get into sort of like some TV news from the UK. Um, I remember Dave Meltzer at the start of the month reporting that they were going to be that progress were going to be doing empty arena tapings at the end of January. I mean, do we have any more news about that? Will
2: not that I've heard of. I mean. In theory, you'd be able to do it because it's work, but maybe, th- maybe that was cancelled due to the lockdown. Who knows? But I've not heard anything about that.
0: What about you, Benno? I mean, it would, it, I mean, certainly they might have made an announcement, considering those tapings would have happened already, I would have thought.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it uh, depends, because uh, it's all been very quiet, but that doesn't mean something's not going on. Mm. But I think you can, I don't know. I think you can get away with tapings when, you know, Red Pro got enough grief when they were taping um, and they were taping at a time where it was definitely allowed. Um, this, by that. I don't know. I don't know. If you, can you justify that? You know, people training one-on-one and, and you know, whether you say it's work or not. Um, I, I, I know there were different rules for performing arts at one point as well. Like, yeah, it'd be interesting what the loophole is for them to allow, allow them to do it. And also like, if, if that is true, and I do remember reading that you know earlier in the month and kinda of raising my eyebrow at Meltzer's report and I wonder if there was more to it, who are they actually going to use? Um, who's who, you yeah, know, who who what names are gonna be part of that and what names definitely aren't. Um yeah, I've not heard anything myself, but yeah, definitely something interesting to keep an eye like,
2: on. And that just add to that, I mean, people people forget how reliant progress were when NXT UK, before when lockdown came. People have this idea that, you know. The you know, the likes of Eddie Dennis and Mark Andrews left, and it was a new roster. Not true. You look at the, that last those last couple of progress shows before lockdown. It was still a very heavy NXT UK roster with basically Corey uh, Noah as the kind of icing on the top. Ooh. Yeah, Swan Boy.
3: Um,
2: <laughs> um, but but, but so it will be interesting to see who they actually what they use as a roster. I mean, we're starting to see with some of the ICW stuff that WWE will share talent for their, their network buddies. But uh, yeah, it will be interesting to see what they put together and who the tag champions will be, for example. Yeah, that's,
0: yeah, that's, that's what I thought. Cause they, they were um, headlining a few of those shows with pre-pandemic, weren't they? So yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, what roster they do use for that one. But um Moving on to uh, sort of New Japan now, and uh, they officially announced their uh, TV deal is, is going to be with Roku. Um, uh, an app um, I'd honestly not heard much of over here. I, I just thought it was sort of like a streaming stick slash app in in the US. Uh, but thanks to uh, Ben Corrigan, Britt uh, Resoadez on Twitter, he explained that you know the app was available through Sky. And um, and also um, on your mobile and computer. But uh, the first episodes are uploaded today. Uh, basically, I think nine episodes, basically a breakdown of uh, last year's Wrestle Kingdom 14. Um, I mean, personally, I, it's hard to see it doing anything major. I mean, um, you know, see anyone who's who's been on free sports or anything, you know, the, the, if unless they're getting some cash off Roku. I mean, it might inspire the odd person to sign up for New Japan World. But as far as it goes, I can't see it reaching... Many casuals who don't already have New Japan World, they know.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. It's like... I don't... I mean... Yeah, they might as well not be on telly over it. It's, it's it, I don't think it changes their standard one bit. If I'm honest, um, uh, I mean, there's something to be said for it, you know, having a, a show like that, a highlight package show. I I, I think it being, I think the announced the uh, the first show is going to be literally Tokyo Dome 2020. So, there you go. You might make your Roku debut, Martin, uh, if they catch you oh, in yeah. the crowd. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know. If it gets a bit more current, you can say an hour show like that might be a bit more accessible to a to a casual fan to someone who's not going to subscribe to New Japan well. But if you don't know what New Japan is, you're not going to be going out hunting on the Rohu channel to try and watch New Japan. Saying goes in America. Um, I just don't think it's anything really. I think it's <laughs> it's the type of thing you think you, you'd be better off just quietly announcing and, and moving on with your day. Uh, they didn't build it up huge. I think that part of that was was Meltzer's fault, but. It certainly wasn't like any kind of game changing or, or big announcements. Maybe it's something you can use, uh, as you know, Meltzer said himself in the Observer to, you know, curry favour. You know, they had the the access deal in America where they didn't have full access to viewing data. This might allow them to have more hard you know, factual data that they can use to sell to other broadcasters and move on up somewhere else, whether it be in the U.S. uh, or the U.K. But, yeah, I I just think this is, you know, good news for people who really want to watch year-old one-hour episodes of New Japan. But I don't think this is even going to make a a dent um, in any kind of quote-unquote casual um, fan base, even if there is one out there uh, that's desperate to see New Japan.
2: But also, like, they won't get the access to the viewing data because streaming services never share that. (laughs) I'm <laughs> all in the same situation and I think the thing for me is like I know, I've, I've written about this, I've talked about it before, like I was one of those people, you'd heard a lot about New Japan, when New Japan World launched back in 2014, I was like yes, it's now easy to watch New Japan I'll go and get New Japan World and I'll see what everyone's been talking about and I remember I was there in Zimbabwe, in Harare in, the, in a hotel watching New Japan, uh, watching Wrestle Kingdom at like 10 a.m. local time because they're ahead of us in the UK. And you know, and I was hooked from there on because that had made things easier. F- scouring the internet to find this obscure app and then finding the part of the app that gives you year-old New Japan is not a game change based on, you know, a, a, no, it's fl- it's a flawed service a perfectly accessible and usable VOD service. It's a complete non-starter. It makes no difference. It's a big shame New Japan lost access because that that, that, that was a great great gig they had. It, it helped expose them to new to new audiences. But this is a complete non starter. And the, the the fact that it is back to one hour archive shows, I think one of the things people forget is that New Japan and Access really fell off a cliff when they started using the New Japan World commentary. So I think one of the things I was getting people to watch it was the fact that it had its own commentary team. So it was like, oh, I've seen this match already, but I'll see what these commentators do with it. And no, it was commentators with mainstream appeal, you know. Uh, you know we've all kind of got sick of him, but Mario Ronello at that point was, you no. Know, Awesome at Pro Wrestling commentary had his combat sports pedigree. He's replaced by Jim Ross, you know. Whatever you say about him, and some of those big New Japan main events did some really interesting, uh, different calls. You had Jim Barnett, who obviously has all the kind of uh, credibility with the MMA audience, and there's none of that. It's a complete non-story.
0: Yeah, and and also, I'm someone who will scour the Skybox looking through the different apps and stuff, and I didn't even realize Roku was on there, so yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It must be lost in the, you know, behind YouTube Kids or something like that, so yeah. I mean, I don't think there'll be much from this story other than, you know, we might get sort of like a big sort of like New Japan show over in the UK, but I think other than that, that's about it, I think, innit, not it, Benno?
1: Yeah, that's it. Um, I suppose, yeah, they can use it to promote that if and when it comes to that. But yeah, we'll, we'll see the nail on the head there. It is, it's not a story. It just isn't one. Um, yeah. Being on the Roku channel is just... Yeah, you're on the Roku channel. Uh, there's no story there, I don't think. No. But
0: um, sticking with UK TV and uh, Impact Wrestling had the news this past month that they'll no longer be showing their weekly show on free sports here in the UK. Um, but it'll now stream on Facebook hours after um, it's aired in the US. I mean... Clearly, free sports for me don't have sort of like major money behind it. They kind of pick up the scraps of sports that uh, Sky Sports and BT and BBC and Channel 5 and ITV don't want, don't they? And uh, I mean, even though I think um, the Timber Sports is on there, which is um, absolutely brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But Impact were never going to get any major traction with it, were they? Red Pro didn't, and then um, didn't MLW were on there for a bit? I don't know if they still are. um, yeah, they never really got any major traction over here with free sports, but um, but what's interesting for me is Impact is still available on Five Star a few days after it airs in the US, which is weird considering Channel Five now shows Raw and SmackDown highlights. Is it still on Five Star? Yeah, I've got it on uh, Series Link. I've got about two hundred episodes there that
2: I haven't watched wow. yet. Wow, <laughs> I, I don't. I just assumed it it, it, it left the it left the station. I mean, it's. It's a very odd one. Uh, free sports are are part of the what used to be the Sasanta Group. Um, in the UK, it's now Premier Sports. So it's like their free channel, and you pay extra to get Premier Sports, which I once did to see Evander Holyfield box at an Indian reservation in two thousand and thirteen. Um, the, wow. um, <laughs> I guess, um, the I think the thing is we should, 1st we we'll say. We should all apologise, Andy Quilden, um, uh, because you actually look at how MLW and Impact have done on mm. sports, it actually makes you realise it wasn't any it didn't say anything about Rev It didn't say anything about how hot or not their brand was. You're basically gonna get about ten thousand people watching a wrestling show um during during a week on free sports. That's just the audience, because it's not a channel anybody watches. Um, In fairness, MLW, they did once have a live, a show aired live, and that did go for 30,000. So, you know, you you can't take that away from MLW. Well, I suppose you can, because free sports kicked them off in favour of impact. Um, It's a tragedy for impact. You can't overstate how hot impact was. Yeah. Impact was the only combat sports promotion to, uh, to escape the wreckage of Bravo. So this is gonna be confusing to any Americans listening. In, in in the UK, Bravo was our equivalent of bike. Um it was like a men's entertainment channel, a lads channel. Um uh, whereas obviously in, in America, Bravo is a very different channel, although with the same logo. Hmm, interesting. And, and and basically, for various complicated reasons, Bravo got shut down by Sky. You know, stuff like Bama, which was a British uh, MMA uh, promotion, had just gotten over a million people to watch a fight. Never, never recovered. But, but Impact went on to challenge. I know consistently for a couple of years, they could do a quarter of a million viewers. Which is just amazing, you know. Comparable with WWE, bit no far bigger than what AEW is doing now. Far bigger than what WWE could dream to do now. And now they are like literally, you know, less no less than less than seven years from when they were still doing over one hundred and fifty thousand viewers, they can't get a TV deal. It just shows you how that company has just been completely pulverized and destroyed.
0: Yeah, it doesn't feel that way, Ben. I don't know how the might have fallen. Remember when they were drawing those decent audiences on Challenge and doing the arena shows over here. I mean, there was even talk at one point of them being sort of like a UK-centric promotion.
1: Yeah, that's it. That window was there where, you know, they were struggling in the US and... That was floated as an idea, I believe, of like, yeah, you know, we go to the UK once a year, but why don't we go four times a year and, you know, tape a load, you know, and uh, do some tapings in Scotland, do some tapings up north, do some tapings down south in front of packed arenas, like some of their best shows, you know, that that uh, Spud and uh, an EC3 matches, which is one of their, you know, their big highlights happened in the UK um, and had one of their their biggest crowds. Yeah, they are If anything for AEW, that kind of like the one thing Impact got right for a while was the UK market, and like AEW should probably take note. Um, It's what gives me hope that we're gonna get AEW big stadium shows over here because I think Impact proved there's a hardcore. I've always said this about the UK fan base. I feel like there's a higher percentage of hardcore fans per capita than there is, say, for, for American fans. Although, you know, uh, the last few years of WWE chasing everybody off is probably tested that theory at this point. But I think we've got enough hardcore fans to to support big arena shows and impact was was the absolute lesson of that and yeah to go from that to to where we are now you know to be on free sports you know for a set for free and not not being paid for it and you can't even keep that deal going um yeah it's it's shocking really um you know and they've got they've got this new deal with pluto tv speaking of a rando internet channels uh, uh well not even new deal you know daily by the while that's another place you can you can watch impact yeah that's a completely completely different company and i reckon yeah if it, if history could have been different yeah, if they if they maybe leaned into that a little bit more i can't imagine it was a big money maker but it, it certainly you know would have helped the prestige of the promotion when they were initially going down on the dixie carter to to do more stuff in the uk and to and to make for more of this market but yeah, as Will says, how, how the mighty have fallen, and yeah, as uh, as much as I'll say that there, there are lessons for AW to copy in some ways. The, you know, there's a lot of ways there where yeah, you got to learn the the bad lessons of impact and in how to to kill a chalice tree for yourself and just yeah, go from being you know the, one of the biggest uh, properties over here to to being what they are now.
0: And, uh, some final TV news, because uh, it seems that like Bellator, uh, you mentioned this uh, earlier today, Ben, it just came out as sort of like breaking news. of have announced that their future shows are going to be available on BBC iPlayer. I mean, uh, a bit of a random announcement here.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I naively said I thought that, the, I mean, it's, I'll say this, Will, it's the iPlayer. So, you know, <laughs> there's, I feel like as someone who goes on the iPlayer every now and then to watch Match of the Day, you know, if there's some MMA there right in front of my eyes, I think there's more of a chance of uh, of someone picking it up. Um But yeah, I, I know you've uh, you've yeah. got a lot of takes on it, uh, and <laughs> well, again, how the mighty have fallen with Bellator. Yeah, well,
2: I, I'm not sure it's the how the mighty have fallen. So I'm not sure they ever reached in that <laughs> time. Um But like, I mean, but but Bellator, Bellator the show in Europe that was an iPlayer last year, mm. and I'm sure neither of you guys knew that, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no. and yeah, I was. No. And I remember back in uh, 2016, um, I went to see Anderson Silver versus Michael Bisbee. and you, all the UFC guys you're talking to were very excited because that was being carried on iPlayer. Um, you know, this has been a thing. iPlayer, you know, the BBC, BBC Free, which is now online, keeps flirting with MMA as kind of like a youth-centric uh, product that they can, they, they can put on their service. Bellator, Ever since Channel Five stopped airing them, why Channel Five stopped airing them, I don't know. No, they are part of the same, uh, you know, conglomerate, owned by the same people. There was a
0: show where Pepper the Pig,
2: um, five seven. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but they, they have, they basically went for the past two years. They've had a deal with Sky Sports. Where basically they give Sky Sports their content for free, and Sky Sports in return agree to air it, and they were quite open about this. And the idea was that this would build this would build interest in the brand, and that they'd be rewarded with Sky actually paying when the deal came due for renewal. Funnily enough, didn't happen, and, and this is the same thing. You know, they will put this stuff up for free on iPlayer. I'll be interested to see whether it's live or whether it's, you know, you can stream it when you wake up, Um, but it won't gain any traction. And the minute Bellator gets sick of giving the BBC the content for free, it will go away. And the thing people have to understand about TV companies, and it sounds, TV company, you know, the, the passage in Jericho's first book where he says the whole thing with WCW is, is, they will push you based on the salary they've agreed to give you. So the key thing you've got to do is get your salary up because then they'll think, well, we've given that person this much money, therefore we need to push them so they're worth that money. That's how TV companies work. If if they've got you for free, they will treat you like they've got you for free. They won't bother about you because they have no investment in you. you. If they're paying you real money, they will push you hard and try and make you a success on their on their platform. Bellator, it's free. It's not a big deal. It's just more chum to throw at BBC free so they can point to something for the youth. Complete non-story. So you
0: don't think we're going to get Gary Lineker plugging here at the end of Match of the Day <laughs> on our SummerSlam on BT Sport?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, no.
0: <laughs> he would probably have as much enthusiasm as he had for WWE but anyway um shall we move on to some uh, some Red Pro because uh, obviously they were back this past month um I think it's safe to say for their last uh taping for the foreseeable future um and uh, and a big surprise we had a uh, Dean A. on commentary for this one with Andy Cull and a proper blast from the past especially for me uh Dean used to commentate on the likes of IPW and 1PW and I always uh, enjoyed his commentary, and he used to be a regular re- letter writer into Palace Slam and the like. And uh, yeah, I always have fond memories of uh, hearing uh, Dinaeus's commentary. Benno.
1: yeah, it's funny. It's like uh, Andy Q's gone to the uh, the old FWA Rolodex, hasn't he? Pulled um, <laughs> out, like you said, a blast from the past. I thought it was funny. I was following along. Like I, I watched a, a chunk of the latest this latest Red Pro show on, on Twitch live, and I kind of followed along like the the. Comments afterwards as well on the uh, in the Facebook group. It was interesting seeing quite a few blue. I had no idea who this uh, this faceless uh, Dean Iass. So I think Dave Iass. I think I saw him called in one of the chats. Uh, was just makes us all does not it, man. I think that's what that is. Yep.
2: I was. <laughs> I I had completely forgotten who he was, but I did <sighs> enjoy the, I did enjoy the commentary. I thought it, it was, and I think it actually made Andy's commentary better as well because. Andy can get a bit overexcited when doing play-by-play, but Dee was such a, like, a mellow, calm guy. They actually called Quilden to pull back as well, and so you didn't have him shrieking during every near fall. And so actually it actually made a much more pleasant show to listen to than normal.
0: Yeah, I think I think yeah. and it certainly worked well with uh, Stevie Aaron and One P W they had a good uh, dynamic together. Yeah, it'd certainly be interesting well, I, I think they could do worse than they have done um the yes. same sort of digging and uh, in in on a permanent basis. But I suppose uh on to the rest of the show and that was a um, a continuation of the Southside Championship tournament. Uh we had Ricky Knight Junior beat Rob Lyerson, and then Screwface Hammond beat Joel Redmond. Um, no, Screwface. I mean, he's not someone who's really been on my radar um, much. Um, watching British wrestling, um, have you seen much of him?
1: Yeah, I mean, I saw him. See, I, I went to quite a few of the the Fighting Spirit shows up in Liverpool, and he was a fixture on those. And I'll be honest. I genuinely thought so oh is it is another one of the fighting spirit Chinese. Turns out he's been around like fifteen years or something like that previous <laughs> to that. Um, I don't yeah, know what that says old, to mate. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's um it's kinda kinda says everything, doesn't it, really? But like he was someone who he got like an opportunity in NXT UK. Like I went to you know, been to NXT UK tapings and seen him get work and he'd appear on the, the TV sporadically. Um but, yeah, he's someone who's been around apparently for absolutely forever, but you know, only came on my radar the last year or so. Uh, I think he's been around since literally the early early 2000s. Um, yeah, so he, he does feel like someone who, yeah, he did not make it in NXT UK, so, you know, they're giving him a go in RevPro. Um, but I can't say particularly lights my world on fire, I'll be honest this. I enjoy the RevPro Twitch product as, like, a an easy thing to throw on, an easy to our watch but I don't know I, don't, I think this this Southside Championship tournament's just been not particularly the most inspiring and we didn't even talk about it last one, did we when we, uh, when we did the show Um yeah it's kind of just it feels like it's spinning its wheels a little bit I was surprised they had, a, had another show um yeah, they're on tape to uh, to run um, and yet I think the sooner this tournament can I get why, why they're doing it and you know you want to establish a secondary belt you're probably going to be putting Ricky Knight Jr. over at the end of all this and as we always say he is the bright spot on these shows but I don't know I think I'd, I prefer the the early shows rather than the ones that are built around this tournament the, the last couple Um. so yeah uh, not, not a huge amount really notable from those tournament matches I thought if anything you know the positive I would say from these shows was that was the women's involvement. I thought the uh, specifically that the two women's title matches were were really strong on uh on the show.
0: I mean, I'd, we... I'd say that sorry, just to jump in there, uh, it does seem like you know uh, they are missing the star power that they had on the on the other shows. So, you, you know, your Ospreys and the like, um, and it just seems like this is them building up they're you know another red pro roster um you know for when we do come out this pandemic you know you know they you know they had kanji on who's um, who's been out injured for a while and she was a bit rusty but i have enjoyed her stuff in the past and i think ridgeway is an interesting one Um i mean will is he this sort of like brit rest nearly man i mean sorry him mean Noah last year when i was over in japan always a lot of people had high hopes for him I. I never really saw it. Uh, I've got to be honest, he was always a you know, a decent guy to watch on shows, but I never saw him as a world beater, um, like some people have done in the past.
2: Yeah, Chris is a weird one because I think I mean, first of all, it has to be said, it's a it's a good sign for him. He's back in Rev Pro, although it's probably a bad sign for Rev Pro, he's back in Rev Pro. Because it certainly seems that Rev Pro you know, Cruelden then just like cut his losses with Ridgeway. Um, because, you no, know, if anybody remembers, I think, 2018, you would constantly, constantly have uh, Ridgway pulling out of pro matches at short notice. Now, we now know that's because of mental health issues that Ridgway was suffering from, but he wasn't being honest. He was, he was talking about his car breaking down and stuff like that. And so, you know, maybe Andy's forgiven Chris for, for all that. You got to at
1: this point. It's not like the polls, is
2: you know, it? About, about say, well, maybe he's just really desperate and he can't say no. I mean, I've I've enjoyed a lot of Ridge matches matches. Um, I think there is stuff there. I think he is a good worker. Um, I, I I saw him in February. I saw him in February of twenty twenty. Then at obviously over the WXW weekend, and I thought he looked really good. He he put on some size. He was working really crisply. Um so I, I think there is something there for him it's a style that will mesh with say the new Japan guys if they can if they can ever bring them back um I think you no know, like a lot of British wrestling guys there's an issue with personality um but there but also you know if you could ever get the young guns into rev pro there's a natural partnership between the three of them I'm not sure I see him as part of the legion I've got to be honest, I kind of don't get why they're continuing with that after the Order Legion went away. It makes I think it makes everybody feel a bit second-rate. And after the Lord Mayor show, it's like, yes, we've lost Rampage, we've lost Shah, um, we've lost Great O'Khan. But here's the uh, non-Union Mexican equivalent. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, no, this is bad. Um, and you know it was it, and I agree I thought that both women's matches are really good and they felt important uh, which you know even the Kanji match while, while sloppy in parts did feel like it had stakes felt like everybody had their attention on it but you know after Jamie Hayter won the title you then have the Sky Simsman, uh, uh attacker and or not attacker but challenge for the title it's like I don't want to see this. That's not an interesting match. Um, um, so yeah, I I, th- I think there is issues with Web Pro in terms of their their matchmaking at the moment. By the way, I don't think this is the last taping because I, I assumed I've just done another five tapings. I think the issue you've got is is that because of lockdown, they know they may not be able to tape anytime soon, and so they are stretching how long. They aired mm-hmm. these shows. And I think that's also hurt in that South Side tournament that this tournament was meant to be you meant to be getting through the rounds quicker. And we weren't meant to be having like four or five weeks between shows. And with quite a complicated format as well. It's just making it kind of annoying to follow. It's like, okay, so this person lost that time. But that means they're in because they won. This, this they won the last match, but this person lost, so now they're facing again. It's like, yeah, I, I'm not sure it's working as well as they intended.
0: I mean, before we talk a, a bit more about the main event, Benno, Um, I mean, we'll fetch up a, a few people there, and with the uh, rest sort of like roster being thin on the ground anyway. It's quite interesting that Red Pro aren't bringing in sort of like sort of like more up-and-coming talent, like sort of like your Luke Jacobs and your Jay Joshuas and people like that who, um, you know, a lot of fans on sort of like underground shows were very interested in, in and, you know, raving about. And I've certainly seen Luke Jacobs in a few matches and he's certainly a very promising talent. It's interesting they're not bringing in people like that.
1: Yeah, that's it. They've kind of stuck to that pool, haven't they, of, yeah, Rob Lyus and, you know, yeah. Mills and that kind of built rather than looking further afield. I mean, I suppose you can say, you know, we've got a we got a kid like us two in there who um, would be much better. Um, I think personally, under his working under his uh, his own name and you know doing. Not doing kid kid like us, basically. I think Joe Nelson's a real talent, so that's one of those names. You know, that that's one of the names that you know up north we we kind of rave about and and talk about as being one of the next big things. He's just a bit hamstrung by you know being a secondary kid like us. I mean, uh, the, the ceiling on that's you know you can barely crawl under that ceiling. Um, but <laughs> I suppose he's in with the cool kid. So there's that. But yeah, you know, I think the thing about this Red Pro TV this show, I mean, I will say. These shows are free on Twitch at this point. You know, the the free on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and you know, there's a couple hundred people watching overall across the across the platforms. It's free content, isn't it? So I think maybe you know we said before about you know while it was controversial at the time, um, and still is for a lot of people, using Osprey was understandable you know from a business point of view because it gave them a bit of star power and made these shows feel relatively important and these shows on twitch don't feel important one bit but the one thing that they have got going for them yeah is that that well, okay you've got a shop window it's free content for people to watch use some young talent um, but i think that's always been Rev pro's issue hasn't it i think you know Rev pro kind of tend to use the wrestlers the to- the obvious wrestlers. I don't know how good the the scouting is um, from Rev Pro's ends as far as knowing about you know who those next guys are in the the on the come up uh, you know especially further afield when it comes to the north and the, and it comes to the Midlands. Um, I think yeah maybe they need a little bit of better scouting because these these shows are fine. But yeah you, you you slot in Luke Jacobs and Ethan Allen in this tournament. Like if they had if they just put them in, in a match, I don't know if it's an opener match. I don't know if it don't care if it's like a one of these weird qualifier matches. However, the tournament works. You put them on one of these TV shows. Like RevPro gets a lot of bad pub, a lot of it I think unjustified. That would actually get I think get a lot of people on board as far as a positive goes for for RevPro. And you, I can picture it now. I can picture the, the buzz that would come out of having a match like that on these shows. Instead, you've got you know. Connor Mills on here and Screwface Ahmed facing Joel Redman. Like, who? I mean, who cares about Joel Redman in two thousand and twenty-one? I'm sorry. Like, I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's a lovely bloke. You know, he looks good. You know, I'm sure. You know, sure he's happy in his life. <laughs> good for him. But like, does he? Does he need to be on Rev Pro Team on, on these Rev Pro shows? Yeah, I think a, a little bit of better scouting now. And the idea behind these shows, which is not a bad idea. Would be a lot better executed. Um, I think that's kind of the positive and the negative of this show. Kind of summed up these last couple of shows. The one thing I find hilarious with Redmond
2: is they can't bring themselves to say Old Japan.
1: <laughs> the only
2: reason you'd put you'd you'd book him is that oh, he's had a couple of champions carnivals and they're obviously nervous about upsetting New Japan. So it's like he's traveled the world, he's wrestled everywhere, and it's like, oh, where would that be, guys? Um, I mean, to me, like, one of the things you got me the thing, and I've said it before, I just don't understand the economics of this. Like, you know, where's the money coming to put these shows on? Um, I get you know, sometimes you have to speculate to accumulate and all that, but you know, this is what now four five shows they put on for free. Um no it can't oh. it can't be driving any growth of their of their VOD. Well, maybe one person.
1: Yeah. Uh, it, it might drive retention though, I think is that it's kind of the maybe, point.
2: maybe but I, I, I find so, but so I find that weird. I, I I find now what I will say is is that they actually had a, a overhauled all the adverts for merch. Which was a positive side, so maybe that's the idea to monetize it.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, surely the bulk of Red Pro's money is coming from being the official New Japan T-shirt seller.
2: Um, but the, <laughs> yeah. the 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 other thing though is there may just be a very small budget, and it may be you know, who will be willing to wrestle, and you know, and it's you no, know, you know, it's a lot of night, like staying staying overnight, and uh, blah 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 blah. So it might be, no, it might not be the most generous deal to wrestle. And so maybe, you know, maybe some of these wrestlers that we're saying, why aren't they booking this person? Why aren't they booking that person? Maybe they took one look at the offer. Mm-hmm. And were like, you know, well, I'm not going to travel halfway across the country in the middle of a pandemic for that much. Um, you know, catch you catch you on the slip side. Yeah, that's true.
0: But it's, it's good, Ben, I think that they've managed to, uh, you know, well, good For Ed Pro, maybe not good for Jamie Hater that she's you know that she hasn't added back over to Japan for whatever reason, but you know, um, it's good that they managed to keep her around, isn't it?
1: Yeah, that's it. I mean, again, but I'll, i I would, if I, I think the thing is, we look at these shows and we look at them and go, is this what Pritrez has left because this is the biggest company running right now? Um, is this what all there is? And I think the answer to that is no, I think there's more talent out there, but they are getting some things right, and you know, again. Singer's praises to get Ricky Knight Jr. right. He's someone who wasn't on the radar of the quote-unquote cool promotions until Red Pro started using him, and that's a that's a real success story for them. Uh, Robbie X maybe on a much low, on a lower scale is kind of another one, but the big one is this women's division. You're, you're absolutely right, Um they've hit some roadblocks along the way. You know, Elia James was on this latest TV show, take it out in an injury angle. I, I assume that's the end of a uh, affair, considering she's already turned up on uh, NXT UK's TV, but. If this, if maybe the economics of the show don't make sense as Will has kind of laid out, and you know we struggle to understand it, as far as like you know a place to okay rehab and get over a new star like a Ricky Knight Junior. Maybe not rehab, just get over in the first place. Rehab though, the women's division know, do it on shows where it's safe and you can do that. You know, uh, that was always a criticism of the big York Hall shows. There was often lacking, you know, a big women's match. But um, often, you know, the, the champion even uh, wasn't even on those shows uh, a lot of the time. So, you know, putting in the time on these shows that are, you know, just on Twitch for a couple hundred people for free to, to you know, even to get over a kanji who's somebody who wasn't hugely on my radar and, you know, use Bobby Tyler and, like you say, use Jamie Hater. um and put it over you know Giselle Shaw who they're high on um so that surprised me to be honest that they they give you know Jamie Hayter uh, the the Pro women's belt but she's looked great on these shows um and she's clearly got a lot of I think she's got presence which Gis- Giselle Shaw does too um but I think she's for me personally twice the wrestler uh but Giselle Shaw so you know while it's you know building your women's vision around you know Giselle Shaw which did seem to be the plan at one point. It uh, was one idea. I think, yeah, you know, the fact that they built up Jamie Hayter and they got some incredible, like, hair in there um, to to centre the division round is, is definitely something you can talk on as a success. It was far and away. You know that their match was far and away the best match on this show. I, I, you know, I didn't put my ratings into Grapple, but I don't think anything would have cracked two stars. And you know, don't call it high praise. You know, this is probably like a three and a half star match, but it was a very good match, and it was the women's match on the show. Um, and yeah, you know, if you if you've got this time to fill, um, and yeah, like Will said, maybe you haven't got the the budget to do a lot. Um, what you can do is do something like this and get your rehab your women's division that's need, needed doing for years, and what out with you know two three four stars if you count the south stars south side uh titles division as well and more you know involved in the, the different matches over these weeks you've got to say that's a that's a success for red pro yeah
2: i've yeah, definitely
0: uh, got some good stuff to be building on but um, i don't want to dwell on red pro too much because um obviously we talk a lot about brits abroad on this program and i just i just wanted to bring it up because we never talk about him but uh AEW the past week and uh, Mr. Kip Sabian's wedding on AEW the other week. Ben Will, I mean, oh, my God, this thing dragged on and on and on. I was watching this. Um, I recorded it on ITV4. I it must be one of the few people on the <laughs> Friday night and then watch it on the Saturday. And, uh, oh, God, this whole wedding angle with Kip Sabian. I mean, fair play to him. You know, he's got um, he's having a lot of TV time and that. But this thing just went on and on. And I just was like, wow, this must be the longest thing on the show.
1: Yeah, it was awful. (laughs) And I've, you know, I'm someone who's a fan. TNA have done some bad wrestling weddings and they've done some good wrestling weddings as well. Nothing TNA did was as bad as this because it wasn't, because there are weddings that are bad in wrestling. But are extremely entertaining. You know, thinking of like Brooke Hogan and Bully Ray, uh, or some of the absolute dross. You know, Kane and Lether and the dross that WWE have saved us over the years. I, you still, there's still an entertainment value to it. It always draws a number. Like, I, 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 I don't believe they're a real life couple because I've not seen a real life couple on TV with less chemistry than these two. Sorry. Uh, hopefully that's not too personal. But yeah, Kip Sabian, I don't think has shown any personality in his in his AEW. Be run certainly nothing worthy even getting this this amount of time on tv and then the payoff was what oh we're gonna have another tag match uh with chucky t and orange Cassidy cool like, I got i didn't even get like the the you know rusev turning and, and getting you know getting miro off to a, a proper start at aw and get at least getting that out of it and having him murder everybody else was in the ring we got a couple of laughs with with sinister minister and then a poorly executed man in a box segment. It was it was so hard, and yeah, and unfortunately, I just don't think uh, Kip Sabian is someone able to carry a segment like this. And yeah, to be fair, I don't think yeah the supporting characters were particularly good either. I don't know what's happened to Miro since uh, he, he left WWE. If anything, he's, he's gotten he's gotten worse. And yeah, this this uh, this was just a mess. Uh, it was a very good Dynamite as well, and this was absolutely the uh, the low point of that show. I think
2: we're all missing the big picture though. Because, you know, they no uh Kip Sabian has like legitimately married Penelope Ford, which means when and I mean when AW comes to their senses and fires Kip Sabian, <laughs> we don't have to be worried about him coming back to the UK. <laughs>
1: I'll take that. They must
0: they must see something in him, though. if they're giving him all this TV time, and you know whether it's crap or not. You know it's a big angle that's taking up a lot of TV time. He's, he's
2: modern day he is a modern-day Mark Merrick He is the excuse to have Penelope Ford on the TV. I'm—I'm I'm not sure even they are deluded enough to see anything in Kip Saviour. He's
1: no Jimmy Havish. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that but but not i the, well i would say that but non-ironically but then jimmy a discussable so scratch that remark very true.
0: and uh moving on uh, last couple of stories um because we all know twitter can be an absolute pit of the best of times don't we i mean sometimes you think yourself flagellating, subjecting yourself to it at sometimes but on the odd the other occasion, something really, really good happens, and I think we saw that this past month, didn't we? When uh, Mariah who's facing legal action following speaking out, managed to hit a target to help with the legal fees, and I thought that was something really good to
1: come out of this month. know. absolutely, yeah. Um, there was like a basically a Twitter train of people quote tweeting each other and all donating small amounts, you know, five or each, essentially, and it and it really, really um, did help. Um, And it it helped her hit a target. And I saw her on, you know, Twitch talking about that, you know, and how big a moment it was for her and how big of a a weight off, you know, it was for her and, you know, certainly don't take that lightly, you know, Unfortunately, you know, we cover Brit Res, so we kind of have to cover NXT UK and the various people who are still within that company who absolutely, you know, in my opinion should not be. Uh, and absolutely, you know, there are people there who have very serious weighty allegations against them um and yeah we in kind of covering that we should never forget you know the the other side of it Um the fact that there's you know people out there who deserve our energy and time like mariah may there's an there is another um it's on crowdjustice.com uh the link will be you know it's on my twitter it's all over twitter um i'll retweeted today in fact you know if anyone's searching for it from another you know anonymous individual um who was a a victim of speaking out who can't be named and you know that um crowdfund is kind of trundled along but you know not not near hitting its target. Um so hopefully you know people can do the same thing for that as we did for Mariah May. But yeah, you know, it's good to see kind of, you know, Twitter is a cesspool and I, you know, as, as involved in it as anybody um at times. But it's good to see that yeah, some some positive can be done at times and, you know, people can come together for you know the people that we really should be thinking of, you know, coming out of speaking out last year, which is yeah, you know, the the victims and uh, the people who are who are still suffering and having to uh, to now go through legal battles on top of it, which you know is something I can I can only imagine.
0: Yeah, it's easy to forget this stuff, but like yeah, just to reiterate what Beno said, yeah, you know, we need to keep remembering and you know helping these people because they were so brave to speak out in the first place, but. um so some last stuff. Um, I mean, um, this past month WWE uploaded the best of Daniel Bryan or Bryan Danielson as he was then in uh, WXW onto the network. It featured matches against like Sorrow, Absolute, Andy, Zack Saber Junior, and Nigel McGuinness, and um, I only managed to watch the Zack Saber Junior match. Just to compare and contrast it with that one we talked about last year, where it was um, in a working man's club with about uh, fifty people there. But um, that was uh, this one from WXW, was from the 2009 16 Karat Gold Tournament. Um, really enjoyable match for me. Uh, nothing too blow away. I think, you know, some good technical wrestling, as you'd expect from these, so obviously they would have had a, a much better match uh, in the past couple of years, but still, uh, still an enjoyable match. And uh, Will, uh, did you have a chance to check out much from this playlist W uh, WWE uploaded?
2: Yeah, yeah, I watched it all. I mean, the one thing, I when I watched that like, save match, it reminded me of the episode of uh, Benno's other podcast, where him and Steph Chase were discussing who, or, which wrestlers are or are not twinks. Because uh, my God, Zack Sabre back then with <laughs> the haircut is definitely a twink. Um, but in terms of the overall, I, that match reminded me a lot of uh, the, uh, the match Zack Sabre actually had against Chuck Mambo back in 2018. The sense of you can tell Sabre's not in Brian's league. And Brian is taking most of the match and kind of giving Sabre a bit of a hiding. But it's the type of hiding that's winning Sabre fans and is impressing people. And it's probably my second favorite match on the collection. I loved the opening match, the Fuji match. Um, just, no, you know, really tight match. We only went about 20 minutes. Very hard-hitting, lots of action. Um, the crowd, that like, was in, like, quite a... Small dingy venue, and the crowd's on top of the action, and it kind of just reminds you about how cool like going to wrestling at smaller shows is. And it's like, you know, kind of maybe oh, I really miss going to live wrestling, I can't wait to go to live wrestling. And it's probably like, you know, can you think about the type of stuff that WWE has uploaded onto the network from these indies? You've not really had anything like that, um, from like the kind of European Indies of all. So I thought that was absolutely great. I've got to be honest. No, I wasn't an indie wrestling fan when these matches were happening. And this kind of reminded me why. Because I found the the other matches on the collection really irritating. Um, The matches all went really long. Um, There was a lot of uh Danielson using like every cheap hit heat tactic in the book <laughs> to get the fans to boo him, which I'm sure worked if you were there live. But yes. watching on TV was just very
1: irritating and very boring. And- I couldn't deal with them Chance. I could not I couldn't I'm glad you're saying this Bill because I felt the oh I, I struggled to watch this. I think I think if you were there live you're right. And that's what it you know what it felt like, like it felt like a like a like somebody workshop and stuff in a place where he thinks people probably aren't really going to see it and you mentioned the you mentioned the matches go along i think that's another part of that i think it's kind of like well the people are alive won't be asked if we go, you know, they'll be made up if we go forty minutes. So let's go forty minutes, and the twenty people watching on VOD, not knowing this was going to appear on WWE subscription service one day, um, you know, the, the twenty people watching this on DVD from Smart Math Video, wherever it was back then, will will enjoy it. But you're right, yeah, watching it, it was it, watching it with like twenty twenty 2020 eyes, twenty twenty one eyes. I I struggled to get through this thing to be honest, just because of I think I think I'm always there live. I'd have been taking, place, taking part in all these chants, like, but the whole like I, Daniel Bryan is a mega heel in WXW. I- and wasn't really aware that was kind of the character he did where you know they they basically just made fun of him being the best in the world and chanted things like you can't wrestle and overrated and same old shit but i'm guessing you're the same as me well by the end of the watching this thing it was like the same old shit was the chance like if, if if the chant gated wxw last year was the uh the guns bobby guns chant this was the uh the precursor to that because uh, oh, i oh i couldn't hack it by the end are I, I ended up muting it, <laughs> by the end would, of it 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 did not translate to, to modern hd video unfortunately
2: that would be exact what i had it's like oh this is why they did those chants with that that uh guns dragon off match um yeah no so i i i like it was like the first match i thought was great and i was like oh this is gonna be great i can't wait to watch this and i've always thought this is this is the value of these indie libraries. Nobody's going to do a watch long for progress. But, like, if you kind of splice it and you get the matches of the people, WWE fans, no, there's value in that. Um But, yeah, no, it, 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 it didn't work. Now, what, what I will say is it's a real shame we haven't had... Danielson back on the Indies. Because you look you look at him even here, and we're saying that we don't we didn't particularly enjoy his matches, but like he is so put together compared to everybody except Ma Fuji on this set. Like mm. his gear looks great, he is you know he's got a great body, um, his work is crisp when he's not doing the cheap eat stuff. And it'd be fascinating because like, you do sometimes wonder. Is he actually a small guy, or is he just small by WWE standards? Like, if he came on the Indies now, would it be that thing of, like, you're watching Rhino versus Dan Maloney in -hmm. February 2020? He's like, oh, my God, Rhino is taller than Britain's great heavyweight hope. Um, (laughs) And you can just see, like, if we had had, uh, a Brian Danielson run on the Indies, it'd be like him going up against... These really small modern day workers who he completely dwarfed. Oh, I would Against the bully, um, so that'd be funny. The
1: other thing as well, is- sorry, sorry, go on, Ben. I was going to say no, he'd love that as well. Though that's the thing, isn't it? You know, he'd love doing like these types of tours. Yeah, I just wanted to mention as well. Like I, again, it was the crowd that killed it for me. I, the matches were too long, you know, especially the one like the hero match where they just stopped to do some lightweight like, right in the middle. I always hate that. These were matches for the for the house at the end of the day. But I, I got a lot more enjoyment. I've been being a, you know, mid two thousand drink of honor fan with Brian. I think he workshop a lot of this type of stuff in All Star when he was over in the UK, and then when he was in Germany to a, you know, a hardcore more adult you, know, universal, or, you know, or, or crowd there. He. Took that though and um, you know he'd use it in ring of honor and he'd use it in like his serious matches um not that he didn't have serious matches on the on these shows as well i i do get a kick out of kind of heal daniel bryan scuzzy haniel daniel bryan winning by low blow or or winning by by roll up and there was too much of it but you know the, the going back and forth with the with the crowd and such i i don't know i think I, for me these were the years where i feel like daniel bryan kind of established that he's not just a, a bland technical wrestler that maybe people thought he was in 2003. He had a lot of personality to offer as well. And I, I honestly think that's what we were seeing here on these Europe, Europe trips that in workshopping that personality and yeah, then using it in, you know, on bigger stages.
0: Yeah. I've always mean? thought, I've always enjoyed a scuzzy heel Brian on the Indies in like PWG and, and things like this. Yeah. I always uh, thought that was a lot of fun. And he did say, hasn't he, that, uh, I'm sure he said it in interviews previously that, you know, if the money was there, he had the time of his life working the all-star shows in the UK, you know, where everyone was coming together to put the ring up and he liked the camaraderie of it all. And he always said that the, it was just the money that was the only thing that uh, stopped him from just, you know, moving to England and doing those shows full-time.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. And, like, that was a big part of, you know, him and Cole Cabana, That's a big part of the revival of the world of sport style as, like, something taken as seriously. you got to remember, like, that was mocked in the 80s as fake and overly elaborate and not fun and not cool. And, you know, that kind of revival of that as something to celebrate really came from them championing it. You mentioned the Chris Hero match. I mean, the thing that I was struck by that. And, like, the thing is, like, all these matches have good things in them. Um, So it's like, if you no. Know, you no, know, what I suggest is, you know, have something to read, and then put it on, because yeah. there will be there will be good stuff to watch. In all the matches, we're saying went too long, uh, yeah. and so you just read what you're reading, and then as it gets good, go back to watch it. The one we must say I took from the Chris Hero matches. As somebody who thought my heterosexuality was coming back, some of the gears he wore and evolved, I'm amazed he actually had worse gear uh, back when he was thin. Um, because that he was is, never a man with a good look. That was oh, what, like, what was he thinking?
1: Yeah, the, the one time he got it together was when he was in day I watched his um, Heroes podcast with uh, with Conrad Thompson. And like he, he, when he finally got in shape, and he had that, you know, that first NXT run. Apparently, one of the agents said, "You, you don't look like you could beat anyone up. You, you don't look threatening." Anymore. And he was just like, "For fuck's sake! After all this, I've lost all this space. And, and people still are having to go at me. Look, yeah, he, Chris Hero is one of the people, isn't he? He's never." He, he's never quite landed on what's perfect for him, and like, you know maybe maybe that bruiser look when he uh, when he did come back to the uh, the European Indies and he wasn't he wear the tiny trunks and he was a little bit out of shape, but it kind of worked as like a a Noah style heavyweight. Um, but yeah, I I I'd echo your thoughts there. Will it like? That, that's what i did today i watched this set as like background viewing while i was doing my work and yes i ended up having to meet it because the crowd stuff and you know it's mid-2000s indie stuff the audio is terrible and the commentary is terrible at points as well um but yeah the, you know yes the matches go too long but like you said there are moments like there's a big near fall and this is our match that kind of woke me up from my work this afternoon and you know there were the, like i say bits of tongue-in-cheek here work that i that i did enjoy if anything it just made me look i didn't go god why weren't we going to essen in the mid-2000s well what we, well especially me like I, that's my two like two favorite worlds like you know indie daniel Bryan in the mid-2000s and and going to Germany to watch wrestling i wish i'd been uh over there with alan farrell you know uh 12, thirteen well, years ago and, uh, and making those trips back then it's also I mean this is one of the things I thought is because
2: is, I, I I remember I, uh, I went to the second CI final and they have this kind of clip of all like the great stuff of Pro's history, obviously all built on abuse and stuff like that but like back when I was you know back before we you know we realized what was happening behind the scenes and they're showing all this stuff so they're showing like Davey Richards Kevin Steve. Johnny Gargano, no, Tomasa Ciampa, no, they're showing all these various people that have got them. And uh, this was back in like the Planet Era of Club Pro. And I was like, oh no, I was living in Birmingham when this stuff was happening. Why wasn't I just getting like a train down to Wolverhampton to watch this? I and mean, it's just I didn't know. Like the world of wrestling was so much bigger back then and news didn't travel. I mean, like, crying out loud, I was writing for a pro wrestling magazine in 2010, and I had no idea what was happening on my doorstep. And you look at these, there are so many people who only became big six, seven years later. Now, you got absolute handy. The last match i the set is mm. absolute handy. With hair. With hair. You know, you got Taz again with hair. You mm-hmm. see uh, WXW in these much smaller venues. And you think about it, at this point of time, this is when Walter's Big Daddy Walter and uh, is not really getting any traction at all. And one yeah, of the he things. He was on
0: some early Red Pro shows as Big Daddy Walter as well, wasn't yeah. he? And then they didn't use him for ages until he came back and started, like, you know, you know, prior to him signing for an XT UK.
2: There's a, a Fight Club Pro match where it was him, Trent, and uh, uh, Dave Mastiff. Um, I don't know, from like 2010, 2011. And and the thing is, uh, whenever we get the Brit Res is Dead discussion, that it always just generates into an argument about how dare you say Brit is Dead. We have these great trainees who are ready to take the scene, scene by storm. And no, it's no. like and it's like, look, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sure these trainees are lovely. I'm sure they're gonna be great wrestlers, but it's seven, eight years away. Like the first time I saw Will Ospreay um and you know, it was before no, it was before I it was before I met the woman who was gonna become my wife and then became my ex wife. Um, you know, it no and he he was not the Will Ospreay of today, you know, like it takes time to become one of the world's best wrestlers. And I think this is a reminder of that, is that every overnight success story had about five or six years before it.
0: Yeah, I think I saw break first in 2014, and he was good then, but it's like you say, it's like leagues away from where he is now, but um, I suppose that's, uh, you know, a discussion that will be ongoing, especially on this podcast, but um, this is the last bit before we go into the plugs, I just wanted to say, um, I'm sure I speak for all of us who we are just saying uh, British wrestler was the Evo, uh, a speedy recovery, it seems she had a nasty car accident the other week, um, doesn't seem to be... Anything too serious, but it made the local papers, I believe, in Liverpool. Then,
1: yeah, yeah, Lizzie, I've always uh, it's right by where I just moved from, where I used to live, where um, it happened. Um... But, yeah, I believe it was a particularly bad car wreck. And, you know, she walked out of it, you know, as, as much as you can, unscathed. Um, and, yeah, you know, she it did make uh, the Liverpool Echo. They did reference her as the, you know, the current TNT women's champion. Fortunately, they had that attracted a lot of the dickheads in the comments on Facebook, which, in true Lizzie Evo fashion, she dealt with very well uh, on her own account, which um, so shows, you know, the, the type of person she is. So, yeah, I think, yeah, obviously... Echo that and uh, glad to see she was okay. And yeah, hopefully, she gets a, a speedy recovery from the, uh, the injury she did suffer.
0: So, um, Will, what's uh, been happening on uh, the pro wrestling Torch uh, the past month or so?
2: Well, I mean, um, I did a show with Rich, which was a lot of fun. We talked Conor McGregor's um, last fight. We talked um, some of the latest news in uh, Brit Res, including actually these recent NXT UK signings. um Um hoping to do a show the next couple of weeks looking back at wrestle Queendom and uh then we'll see see what the future holds for the british wrestling report kind of need re- british wrestling to review um my i the thing I always thought my shows were best at was actually reviewing shows and breaking them down which is harder to do when you don't have shows to review but uh, yes definitely check out the british uh Pro wrestling torch um uh my uh Partnering crime in many a thing, including the mammoth four and a half hour uh, Andy calleddon uh, interview, which whilst reviled at the time, had somehow started this trend for long british wrestling podcasts. I'm not sure how that happened, but <laughs> I, don't, I don't I don't think people recognize the feedback we got for that podcast
1: <laughs> um, uh, Some but, of us uh, who gave you that feedback and then yeah. did long shows ourselves, well. yes. <laughs> Shots fired and accepted.
2: <laughs> By now.
1: Uh, so he, oh, Rich, Rich so,
2: which is uh, interesting as well.
1: Awesome. Uh, yeah, from me, like I said at the top, uh, you know, Grapple every Monday. We're, we're still recording. We did the uh, an episode on Kenta and the uh, the whole Forbidden Door business uh, on Monday. And yeah, if you want to watch that live or, or get more where that came from, as I said at the top of the show, uh, we have just launched our Patreon. One last cheap plug. Why not? Uh, Patreon.com slash Grapple. So you can uh, support us over there and uh, follow me on Twitter at Benson Richard A. Oh, I do remember one more plug. Um, my politics it could be
2: said now on Spotify and all of our most recent episodes did actually have a break, have a discussion about it. it it's a sin in more detail. If anybody's, if anybody enjoyed the discussion we had at the beginning of the show, hear more about it there.
0: Great stuff. And uh, yeah, definitely go and support uh, the lads over at Grapple with their Patreon, some great content all the time. And uh, me and Andrew will be back with wrestling adventure on the 25th of February yeah. we're reviewing the WWE Eddie Guerrero documentary and uh, also picking out some old Eddie matches so uh, that'll be a lot of fun and um, also going to be on best match ever on up next with uh, the good lads Brain and Davia. Uh, we're going to be talking some PWG um, it's, I've selected a, a bunch of matches from different eras including um, Daniel Bryan against Chris Hero it's a fairly long match uh, so it should be a lot of fun with the lads and of course all roads lead to uh, head over there, uh, for all the news and all the other podcasts with John and Way and et
2: cetera, et cetera. And thanks for listening and we'll catch you again next month.